No country has ever prospered that failed to put its own interests first. We will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism. New Right Network presents Right Now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Hello and welcome to New Right Network's Right Now podcast. I'm your host, Kate, and with me today is Zach Voorhees. Uh, Zach is the Google whistleblower who recently released over 900 pages of documents from Google detailing the blatant bias they implement in their algorithms. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Um, So I just want to get kind of into it. You've had quite a month. Um, You are a software, a senior software engineer, and you were a Google employee for eight years, right? That's correct. And you recently, well, just take me through, take me through what happened last June and kind of catch me up to what's been going on with you. Yeah, so uh, I decided in June to resign my position after a wave of censorship shook YouTube to its core, and I told my manager that um, I didn't agree with the censorship and that uh, some of the activities of Google uh, uh, seemed criminal, and I didn't want to be partaking in that anymore. So I gave gave my resignation uh, unofficially and then officially a week later, um, and then immediately upon giving my resignation, Google launched an investigation into me um, and um, because they, they looked at some of the docs that they knew to be um, damaging and they realized that I had seen it. And so, um, um, and so I, I, the next day, so they, they, they ended up like asking me to, um, to interview to talk to them about the documents. I was planning on going to Project Veritas, so I just stopped contact, went to Project Veritas, and um, disclosed Google's entire um, AI apparatus to the general public. Now, people are like, well, how'd you get all those documents? And the thing was is that Google has had a history of of generating a bunch of documents uh, detailing how they were going to um, censor the Internet. And so this started right after Trump got elected in 2016. Um, by um, December of 2016, these really weird psychology papers started to appear on the uh, public internal networks. And so I started getting like a clue that there was like, it was like this weird or- Orwellian uh, things. And I don't want to go, go too far off in the weeds, but the name of the psychology paper was um, uh, Psychological Induced Stress as a Result of Algorithmic Discrimination. And it goes really deep in like how people are hurt by um, discrimination by algorithms, and then what Google can do to remediate these and make it feel less um, uh, stressful. Uh, and so they they invented like a whole bunch of ways to do this. And so I started to get a clue that like there's some weird stuff happening. And then um, the the censorship started to be uh, unleashed in 2017. And this was. Um, this was announced actually first to the to the employees by the executive staff. And what happens is that about once a week, the company brings all of their employees together um, in a TGIF, and they kind of tell the company, like, what's up. And 
you know, Susan uh, Wachowski, the CEO of uh, YouTube. And by the way, I want to mention that I work for YouTube, which is owned by Google. Right. Uh, okay. And that was for the last three years of my, my work with Google. So uh, the CEO of YouTube uh, explained to everyone that there was this really big problem with uh, fake news and that YouTube was going to um, – was going to be engaging in uh, censorship of fake news, right? And what she said is she didn't say censorship. She's like protecting the customer from, like, you know, fake news and all this hate online and all that. And, and this is kind of a head-scratcher because, you know, um, Google's motto is, um, you know, organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and usable. Right. You know, that was their constitution that they presented when they went IPO. And so um, here they are, like, blatantly violating it, um, telling us in confidential terms that they're going to be violating it, not announcing to the public or their investors that they're going to be violating it, um, and using all these euphemisms to hide their censorship uh, intentions. Uh, and then the design document started to appear, right? And uh, the, the, the system that was implementing this censorship control was called ML Fairness. And that's an umbrella term that I'm using to name the entire project. It's also like the, the name that they used. Um, it's got several subcomponents. It's got this thing called SuperRoot, uh, which re-ranks results based upon a criteria. Uh, they've got another thing, which is called Twiddler, uh, which does that for YouTube videos. Um, and uh, they've got Seismograph, which monitors uh, like trends in real time and that is related to a project called Purple Rain, which is staffed by humans and does the same thing. And mm -hmm. so, like, there was all this, like, really carefully documented control. And so um, the breaking point for me came in um, June of 2017 when I um, came across a design document to remove uh, dictionary words out of the Arabic to English translation dictionary in order to make a Trump tweet sound crazy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah, it's a bombshell, right? Like, right. what the heck? You know, there's, like, okay, we get it. Like, everyone, like, kind of hates on Trump. Like, you know, you, you know, Silicon Valley, like, hyper leftist, but deleting words out of a translation dictionary? And what was really scary was that, you know, right after they had done this, um, the New York Times used the fact that Trump used a word that was now nonsense to question his mental sanity, and there was an attempt to invoke the 25th Amendment of the United States, uh, the Constitution, to remove a sitting president. So at that point, I was like, this is a national security concern, and if I don't do anything with it, then I'm colluding with this. With it. it's, a, it's an attempted overthrow is what it is. So, and this was during the time when the Russian collusion hoax was, like, in full swing, and... Um, and so I was like, I was like scared. Like I, I realized I was like, oh my God, they're going to try to overthrow the president of the United States. And I didn't know whether they were going to do it or not. Um, and then, um, and then things just got crazier from there. Um, the Las Vegas shooting occurred in October of 2017. Um, and uh, all of a sudden it became this huge emergency Google got the entire employee together and said, oh, my God, there's so much fake news on the October 2017 Las Vegas shooting. We've got to go. We, this has got to be like a priority zero. We've got to get everyone involved to, like, fix it. 
And so they, and then it was like two days and then it was like over. And then like, um, and then like kind of like returned back to normal. And so it was really weird. It was like we had three days of crazy, like violate everything in our constitution. And, um, and then we're just going to go back to pretending that we don't do that. Right. And yeah. And so um, if people want to see the absolute like bottomless WTF pit of censorship involved in that Las Vegas shooting, I provided that in part of my disclosure uh, that I did through, uh, through uh, Project Veritas. Right. And so these are the nine, over 900 pages, right, that you gave to yeah. Project Veritas, and you also gave right to the DOJ. That's correct. And, yes. and so, so for somebody starting out and looking into these documents, you know, is there a particular place that you would say to start? I saw there were something like over 40 pages of just even, I think what they were calling controversial fringe queries or a blacklist, 40 pages long right, for mm-hmm. terms not to use on YouTube or Google, um, that certain news um, sites would get bumped to the top, correct, and some would get yep. demoted. Um, all of that stuff is in there. Are there particular pages that you would highlight for people or certain sections? Yes. So let me ask you a question, okay? Right. Um, I'm going to give you a headline. I want you to tell me whether that really happened or whether it did. Okay, so um, Hillary Clinton was responsible for um, running weapons to Benghazi to, find, to fund um, ISIS terrorists in Syria. Is that true or not? <laughs> well, I've done my research, but I also know that that's not going to be anywhere to be found in the news, right? If I, right. anything I know about that, I had to dig and dig and dig for. Dig and dig and dig, and there's some there's some strong and there's some very angry people involved in you know national security about that, and so, um, right? Well, according to Google's fake news documents, that's listed as an example of fake news that needs to be filtered, right? That's incredible. And also, you know, at what point, I think also when we think about Google, most people just think about Google as a search engine they use. I don't think they really understand how massive it is. It owns YouTube, that they have, they've got connections with the White House, that they've had basically a revolving door of people that work with the government and then work with uh, Google and vice versa. And at what point does, uh, you know, censorship and influence actually kind of become mind control? Um if, right. if if everything that we're seeing is going through what they are they are deeming uh, is worthy, then they are actually swaying the, the building. Uh, you know, they're influencing especially, us way more. Especially those that are on the fence, right? And they're right. trying to figure out both candidates. You know, especially like at the end. You know, and um, and Dr. Robert Epstein, um, who was the chief editor of Psychology Today, um, and is currently doing an investigation directly into that. And what he's discovered is that um, Google is targeting um, the Google search, and and they're doing it in a very surprising way. And the way that they do it is that, now imagine that you go to Google search, and you type in a search query, and you start typing in the words, man can, well, Google will autocomplete for you. Men can have babies, men can get pregnant, men can have periods, right? Right. As, mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that people believe that the search results that Google is suggesting comes from the crowd, 
Right. And so um, just to show you how absurd it is, Google's trying to suggest that men can have babies. Okay, now, now, now the problem is that people think that that's the consensus. That's what other people are searching because that's what Google has told America, that they're just using the natural data of reality that people right. are searching for. But um, in reality, what's happening is that they're selecting source of truth databases that they are pulling this information for to build these search queries, and they've allowed vulnerabilities for these malicious third-party hackers to come in and game, gamify. And there's these security vulnerabilities. And so Google is actually able to um, avoid liability by giving plausible, plausible deniability by having these vulnerabilities to their systems and then allowing malicious third parties um, insider knowledge on how to hack them. That's incredible. So what's happening is that these actors are poisoning these databases with faulty information in order to to influence the election. And Dr. Robert Epstein has reported on that his estimates based on, you know, just between Hillary and Trump, that between – 2.5 2.5 million people and 10 million people in the middle had their votes unduly influenced and going to Hillary from this one feature. That's incredible. And you didn't start off with a political agenda. You just start, you just, I mean, you were making good money at Google. You had every reason to stay on and just keep quiet once you found these things, but what motivated right. you to actually do something about it and make these public? Well, I want to let you know that um, a lot of people think that I'm conservative, but mm-hmm. I'm actually like a liberal, uh, you know, that, you know, my teenage years were in the 90s, and I thought that we had a really great system back then where, you know, you judge a person by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. But right. somehow we've all abandoned that, so people mm-hmm. are lab- labeling me conservative now, but I guess maybe liberalism is now becoming a conservative value. So, you know, I... I was a liberal. I'm inside, like, you know, I'm inside Google. I see all this. You know, I, you know, I realized that I've got to do something. You know, I, I left in good standing. Uh, at the end of my career, I was making $250,000 a year. I gave all that up because this issue right now is a, an existential crisis to the republic. Right. And what ha- and what happened to you? Let's go through a little bit of that. After you, you originally when you came out, you were anonymous, right? You did a, an interview with Project Veritas, but you were a silhouette, and they changed your voice, and they did not use your name, correct? That's correct. And then, uh, and that was obviously, I'm sure that before you made the decision to do this, I'm sure that you looked into previous whistleblowers and saw what they did right and what they did wrong and what you were actually putting at risk by uh, going public with this, right? Yeah, and I saw that a lot of the whistleblowers made, um, you know, uh, well, you know what, everything's different now with the media landscape. So, you know, I don't think that the whistleblowers were able to get as much support because they didn't have a social media network that was ever present, you know. Right. And, And so a lot of this is actually just new territory. Like, how do you gamify the the new system, you know, so that you can get, um, you know, so that you can go viral? Now, for me, it's a life and death situation because whistleblowers tend to not have large life expectancies. 
Exactly. So I realized that the only way that I could guarantee my safety is to is to make this disclosure as you know, go as wide as possible so that everyone, you know, knows who I am so that if I ever end up dead, then there's going to be a lot of liability for the people that plan that hit. Um, and another thing is that as long as I didn't release the information, um, I realized that I was completely like I was a, I was a high value target because if they get me, then the doc- documents don't go out. So, you know, the reason why I'm out here, you know, doing this is because I want to get everyone to know, like, what these documents are and, you know, and know that if I get off, then they should go dig at Google and what they're involved in. Right. And once they did, once you did come out with your identity, which was, again, to, for, you know, for your, for your own safety, I think that was the smartest thing to do um, because mm-hmm. of all the things that you just said. Um, they once they knew your identity, uh, Google had you swatted. <laughs> Is that right? Yep. Uh-huh. So to people that don't understand what that means, what what happens? So um, swatting means that they come with SWAT a SWAT team, and um, and that's that's what happened to me. And it happened to me right after I uh, delivered the documents to the Department of Justice Antitrust Division. Right. So I did a physical printout of all the documents, over 950 pages, and I put it into uh, a giant paper box, um, and the laptops are part of that evidence chain because it shows how I was able to access it off the network, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I put all of that into a box, and I sent it uh, to the Department of Justice, and I wrote back to Google, who was demanding to know what the status was with uh, with you know, what I had and whether they could look through all my data with a forensics team. I told them, hey, I've got your all your data. Um, and the data in the laptop are uh, with the DOJ. Uh, five days after that happened, um, I got outed uh, almost privately um, on Twitter by a Google insider who knew my identity. And um, I realized at that point that, you know, uh, I really got to, you know, do the media thing now. And so, um, I um, I decided that if I were to make moves, that they might try to do something. So I created what was called a dead man switch, which right. is a term that whistleblowers will often utilize. And what it is is you take your full disclosure and you put it into a, uh, a, a safe location. Um, and in the event of the death of the uh, whistleblower, the uh, archive automatically unopens, uh, opens up and the information is given to the internet. So, um, so I had this mechanism and, you know, and then once that happened, I, I, I announced on Twitter because I had the suspicion that Google was following me. I announced to, to Google through my, through my Twitter account that the dead man switch uh, was activated and uh, that there would be a disclosure. And so the very next day they ended up, calling a wellness check to see if I was crazy or not. Um, mm. And I've got a, a registered firearm in my name, um, which is a shotgun for home, you know, self-defense. So mm-hmm. the, the police came to my gate um, and uh, I had a heads up that they were actually on their way. And I, you know, they, they came to my house. I didn't answer the door. They didn't announce themselves. Um, so I felt like I didn't have to. And I just didn't want to talk to the police. I mean, I'm just right. honest. Um, 
you know, because it's it's San Francisco. Like it's it's pretty much it's, it's the money's really close to the law enforcement. It's a bad deal. Right. So um, <clears throat> so I didn't answer the door, and the police like saw like a bag that had some alcohol in it, which was like for um, like actually a fire. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a it, it was so in like a metal container, and okay. they said, well, that looks like a bomb, and so they called in. Uh, they called in backup. They called in a bomb squad. Um, they uh, they called in SWAT, and there was also FBI there. And you had snipers on the on the roof across. There was the street, a few right? snipers on the roof as well. Yeah. And um, so, what basically Google was saying that you were uh, a danger to yourself or others or something. They were calling in your mental health into question. Yeah, they're calling in my mental health, and so, you know, I I tried to explain to the cop because eventually, like they. You know, when they call in the bomb squad, they got to shut down the streets. So mm-hmm. they blocked off the street from 20th and Valencia all the way down to 22nd and Valencia. And um, so, um, yeah, they, they, they closed down the whole street. They evacuated the theater next door, which was a little tiny theater, um, and uh, for where impromptu takes place. And, um, and they made a real big situation out of it and I didn't even realize how much this had escalated uh, until I heard the helicopters circling over my house you know and there's this thing I'm like no way those things are for me that's just impossible right because that would be crazy to think that they would send in helicopters but no there was news helicopters flying above my house after 15 minutes of them like being really close and I could hear them outside I was like what the heck so um um, my friend who was on his way to hang out with me, like ended up seeing this go on, asking who it was for, and then giving me a call and saying, yo, Zach, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of police outside of your house. He ends up negotiating with the police officers and I, and I come out and, you know, I had to come out and they had me at gunpoint. Okay. They had weapons pointed at me, you know. Everyone's all on their rooftops in San Francisco filming this whole thing. And I'm coming out like I am like a gunman or something, right? Oh I got my hands up. I got my phone recording, you know, because if they're going to pull clown world on me, then I'm going to record the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I go and uh, they, you know, it, it's resolved peacefully. And then, like, I just show them all the information. Like, look, like, I gave Google, like, a letter saying that I was going to disclose all their information. All, you know, and, and then they're like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, you're a whistleblower. Okay. Oh, right? wow. So, uh, and, then, and then once, once they just, then they did, like, the questions that they're, you know, forced to do. Like, there was six of them. Like, you know, are you going to, like, harm yourself? I'm like, no. You know, are you going to harm anybody else? Like, no. Do you have any reason to? No. You know, and so after that, they're like, okay, well, this guy's obviously, you know, got a reason to be harassed. And so, uh, you know, we talked about the cop's favorite show, uh, which was Reno 911, and then they, they all sort of <laughs> evaporated. And that was that. But I was like, holy crap, I got to get out of San Francisco. So oh the next day I get the next flight out of San Francisco and I go to the safest place I could think of, Washington, D.C. Uh, actually, it was, it, was, it was Virginia. Um, West Virginia? I don't know. I'm not from the East Coast. But, okay. like, I'm right, like, like, you know, next to the Beltway and I'm with safe people um, and, um, and they, they're like, we're going to help you. We, we know national security people. Um, and, you know, and they were able to give me like escorts where I needed to go. And then we started getting a hold of insiders within Washington, D.C. And one of those was uh, Sarah Carter. 
Oh, I and, love her. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Oh, you got to meet her in person. She's 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 just a bright star. Where like when you when you meet her, she's just oh, wow. just like you you just connect with her really fast. And so she got the story down, and she kind of had this like mind blown moment when we when we sat down. So she was like, okay, I'm gonna need some extra time on this. So we we, we met up again and we like disclosed the whole story over recorded, you know, thing. And uh, and so she started writing about how that DOJ had just, you know, received all these documents and Project Veritas was about to disclose all of it online to the general public like that, you know, the, the next morning. So we got really great, a good, a good amount of hits off of that. People really woke up and then, uh, yeah, the disclosure hits and the video hits and uh, of me explaining why I did the disclosure. And now the whole Internet's, like, coming together and they're just digging through the documents and they're posting the results and they're going, oh, my God, because you think no matter how much you think, you know, they work as a clown world inside when you actually see like clown world on paper, uh, it's, a, it's, 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 it's an experience. You're angry. You also want to laugh. Right. Right. Um, and so this is the watershed moment. Like this is, this is full disclosure to the general public and all those, and all you people in media that know that you're getting, you know, shadow banned and censored and, you know, and disrupted, you know, and people have been calling you guys conspiracy theorists. Well, you know, I did this dump so that conspiracy theory could turn into conspiracy facts. Right. You had the proof. I have the proof. The and Google's original, real. Right. Google's original slogan, wasn't it, don't be evil? Yeah. Number one was don't be evil. Number two is organize the world's information. Interesting. And it sounds like they were doing some evil things. <laughs> yep. So what would be the biggest takeaway you think for, you know, people who don't, uh, you know, don't consider themselves conspiracy theorists who don't really pay attention and, and maybe don't really see a problem with uh, Google maybe uh, finagling some of their search results. Um, I mean, how deep does this go? How, how much of, you know, how big is their influence, would you say? I mean, and they got their hands in everything that you're doing. Um, you know, all the search, all the access to information, they're, they're, they're putting gateways now. Um, and the thing is, is that, you know, if someone doesn't understand that this was a conspiracy to um, rig the election, then, like, you know, I mean, do they think that Epstein committed suicide? Like, you know, it's like, it's like. Right. At this point, it's 2019, and now everyone's a conspiracy theorist. Right. So, I think everybody kind of looked at that. I think that was one of the things that that, that, that did was everybody kind of looked at themselves and thought, well, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist now because I'm not buying it. And if yeah, I'm not buying it. And if people can lie to me at this level, then what else are they lying about? Yeah. And, and it's a really it's a watershed moment where, um, you know, the establishment has lost, like, all of their legitimacy now with everyone. And, um, you know, that's the reason why, and this is, this, this is a perfect timing. Like how, how coincidental that right at the moment that, um, you know, the Patriots needed to, to know this, you know, that, um, that Google went ahead and decided to just double down on its censorship. Like this happened, this would not have happened if it weren't for Google. So I, you know, right. Um, right. And you know. all this information was, was 
uh, accessible by anybody that was a full-time employee of Google, right? That's how you got all of right. this? Right, for a limited time. And when I saw it, oh. I realized that once, once they realized that they were being evil, they would take it down. So I just continuously hunted for this stuff, kind of obsessively, um, because, you know, Google is doxing all of us, and I think it was about time that a patriot doxed Google. Right. I can't even express to you how much gratitude I have, and I know so many people do, literally without people like you, without whistleblowers, without people sticking their neck out, literally putting your safety and your life on the line to get this information to the public. We may have never known that yeah. Google was up to this. And now we've now that we've got a glimpse into how Google is capable of this, do you think, you know, we're going to find out that um, – this is common practice among other powerful entities. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing where they, where they introduce the vulnerability and then give it to insiders and then claim plausible deniability, um, that's, that's a tactic. And that tactic is going to be used in other, you know, verticals that are similar to that. So um, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Google, YouTube, Reddit, they're all doing this, and this is going to be a pattern, and this is going to be a huge story. Um, there's going to be a lot of lawyers that are going to make a lot of money suing these companies, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Justice is coming. Exactly, and I just I think what you're doing is 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 the right thing to do to keep your to keep the story going to. Um, continue to do interviews with people and be public. Make sure this is reaching as many eyes as possible, not only just because it's the right thing to do, but also for your safety. Um, mm -hmm. The more more eyes on this, the better. I think people, I think genuinely people are good, and no matter what they align themselves with, when you see something like this, you can tell right from wrong. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Um, where can everybody find you if they're looking for you on the Internet? Um, um, they can find me on uh, Twitter. Um, you, they can type in my name, Zach Voorhees, um, or you can go to the, uh, the at Perpetual Maniac. Um, uh, on Twitter? I, yeah, on Twitter, Perpetual Maniac. You know, could you go ahead and uh, follow me on uh, Twitter if you haven't done so already and then um, post one of my um, tweets to your timeline and then let's just tell your audience to find you on Twitter, and then they can connect to me. Absolutely. We'll make that totally easy. Um, well, I cannot thank you enough for talking to me. And, again, I just want to thank you so much for what you're doing and for talking to me today. Um, and you can find us at www.newrightnetwork.com and follow on Twitter and all other social media at new, at new Right Network. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to New Right Network, mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com. <laughs>